Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. Glad you're here. As many of you know, we're working on Howard Thurman's book, Disciplines of the Spirit, for our lead-up till Easter, re-examining our, our Christian roots and learning about spiritual principles. In fact, I think a good place to start was even reviewing the spiritual principles we've covered so far this month. Week one, we covered the idea of the life principle, and it simply states that life is always seeking more life. So if you ever wonder, you know, what it is that gets you up out of bed even on dark days, if you, if you wonder what makes you persist even in the fate of uh, adversity, when you, when you find yourself or, or loved ones uh, struggling a bit and yet there is that clarity with which you are going to persist and move through, that is the life principle at work. It basically says that whatever is necessary to celebrate and move forward in my life I will find it. I will do what's necessary. The second principle that we learned about uh, last week is very similar. It's the growth principle. And it likewise says, once my basic needs are met, uh, I will attempt to become my most high spiritual self. That there is in me that desire to improve myself. There is that desire in me to, to further my education. There is that in me that wants to create a healthy life for myself and my family and my world. It is that sense of moving forward in the world. Today, if you go through the book chapter by chapter, you would discover that today, we're going to talk about pain and suffering. And when I got to that point, <laughs> I thought, oh, well, we're going to have a little fun with that, right? Because <laughs> it's not so often that we stray over into the dark side. And yet, I think this chapter is an important chapter. I will rephrase a few things and point them out to you. There is that Christian idea sometimes that suffering is required somehow to make your mark in the world, that only those who truly suffer will somehow achieve their goals. We do not believe that in science of mind. And yet there is something I think important in the information in the book that I do want to talk about. Rather than calling it the pain principle though, I would like to call it the wholeness principle. And from just retitling it, I think the principle that he talks about is perfectly reasonable. It says that most of us will indeed, no matter how we manage to conduct our lives, we're going to experience some pain. So in a sense, pain is inevitable. But it does not get to define who we are. So pain may come our spiritual nature, the very fundamental of who we are, is not, need not be changed by it. And so that is this idea of the wholeness principle. And of course, I want to talk about it a little bit more. First of all, I think I've got a, a joke here to kick us off. <laughs> so a man goes to the doctor complaining about chest pain. Naturally, he's worried a bit about a potential heart attack. Well, the doctor checks for a variety of symptoms, orders an x-ray, and when the x-ray comes back, he tells the gentleman, here's the issue, it's just a cracked rib. There's not too much to do about it, though. Limit your exercise, limit anything that might cause you undue pain. 
Well, the man looks at him somewhat skeptically. Are you sure it's not a heart attack? You know, I heard about this guy who was misdiagnosed and sent home. He died two days later of a massive heart attack. It's a cracked rib. You're going to be fine. And I heard about another guy who was misdiagnosed, and he had a weakness in his aorta. He was sent home, died of an aneurysm. It's just pain from a cracked rib. You're going to be fine. And then there was still this other guy, I swear, with pain just like mine. He was misdiagnosed, was sent home, next day died of a stroke. Well, the doctor, as you can imagine, is starting to get a little pissed. Look, it's a cracked rib. I'm not misdiagnosing this. And if I treat someone with a cracked rib, you can bet they're going to die of a cracked rib. (laughs) So the lesson from my corny joke, of course, is that it's not so much the facts of what's going on, It's what we do with it. It's the story we tell ourselves. It's the reality that we have created for ourselves in our brain. And in fact, this is where this particular chapter in the book starts out. It's really questioning, first of all, the need for pain. Uh, Nancy was uh, uh, so bright with statistics at the first service, so I'm not gonna gonna ask, because you'll just blurt it out, Nancy. Uh, But the question was, what percentage of visits to the doctor are caused purely by the so-called lifestyle maladies that we have today. Oh my gosh, apparently this is common news. I heard two or three people say 80%. It is, it's 80%. 80% of doctor's visits and really uh, in a diagnosis of one of the lifestyle diseases. Either uh, too much stress is probably causing high blood pressure, acid reflux because of uh, unhealthy eating and other lifestyle issues, and so on and so forth. 80% of our trips to the doctor based on things like stress, based on things like anxiety, based on emotional and mental factors that actually we probably have way more control over than we give ourselves credit for. And Howard Thurman tells an interesting story in in the book that I think uh, hits home that I want to share with you. Of course, this is a a story from his youth. And so in his youth, anyway, there were buggies and horses involved. So bear with me. So Howard Thurman, as a young boy, is on his way into town with his father in the buggy and uh, with horses. And in the middle of the road, someone has dropped off a white piece of paper. Nothing more than a somewhat large white piece of paper sitting in the middle of the road. The horses, however, did not like this. The horses who had never seen such a thing as that were very worried. Is it the opposite of a hole in the ground? Is it, is it something that's going to harm us? Is it like what craziness is this? And so uh, as, the, as Howard Thurman's father is urging the horses forward, the horses were not having any of it. And it really took a big effort to move past this non-obstacle. So they finally get through it. They go into town. They have their day. On the way home, guess what? Paper's still in the road, right? Probably should have picked that up because here we are again. The horses start to do their thing. And Howard's father had 
and insight. And as they approached, and as soon as he could feel from the reins that the horses were starting to have a problem with it, he just clapped his hands. And the horses looked over their shoulder like, what? And before they knew it, it was really a distraction method, right? Really nothing more than a distraction. And suddenly, the way was clear. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. How many of our fears are totally made up in our minds? How many of the things that have us stuck and bewildered and afraid sometimes are complete fabrications in our own mind? Now, I don't want to suggest that just clapping your hands can make them go away. But I do suggest that we have power over the lifestyle illnesses that we come underneath. We have power over the issues that seem to plague our, especially our emotional and our mental states. And I would like you to begin examining places where maybe you feel stuck. Do you feel stuck sometimes to make a phone call to a loved one because you're a little bit afraid of what's going to happen? Do you avoid asking for certain considerations at work because you're afraid of what the boss will say or the boss's boss will say? Are there things that you just consider uh, off-topic and not discussable with people that are close to you? Do you see how we make up stories? Now, I I don't want to suggest that these are non-issues. They may be indeed real issues, but the stress that you feel from them the pain that you feel from them, the anxiety that goes along with them are completely of your fabrication. Now, I know that's a tough pill to swallow. We're talking about health today. There's a a tough pill for us to swallow. And yet I think a truth of this magnitude ultimately is helpful for us. Ultimately, we get to make a choice. Ultimately, when we find ourselves stuck, especially in emotional pain, we can ask ourselves, is this really the truth of me? Because this is the essence of this wholeness principle, is the difference between truth and telling yourself a lie. We lie when we say, I'm just stuck with this. We lie when we say, getting old means that there just has to be pain. We lie to ourselves when we say, marriage is bound to be trouble. I look around me, and and when I see uh, everyone else that I know that's married, they're miserable. So I I guess that's going to (laughs) be true for me. Now, these may seem like common enough experiences that people have in the world. And I think that's why we've begun internalizing some of this. I think that's why we've begun saying to ourselves, well, no, this just must be true. It just must be true that when we get older, we fall apart. It just must be true that relationships have to be difficult. It just must be true that a job is to be endured and not to be enjoyed because I look around me and that's what I see so often. The trouble is you're looking around And seeing people who have said those same lies to themselves. And if enough of us buy into that, that is our experience of the world. 
and we use each other to validate it, to say, yeah, yeah, I guess we all are just going to get decrepit as we get old. I guess relationships just are the hardest thing on the planet. I guess politics always is awful, and politicians are always crooked, and, and oh my gosh, you could wind me up, and this would turn into a really different kind of sermon. <laughs> but what I'd like to suggest is that really these are lies that we tell ourselves. And this leads us into part two of this talk, which of course is the unity principle. And Howard Thurman nails this one so beautifully. When we are one with ourselves and with spirit, all of this is simply sent away. It simply fades into the background. Because God is whole and perfect. Because God is good and merciful. Because in God, there is only the sweetness and beauty and peacefulness of life. And when we unify ourselves with that, it's easy to see the truth from what's going on. It's easy to recognize that my experience of life can be more in alignment with the divine life. And I don't have to listen to what's going on in other people's lives. Are you all familiar with the idea of standing as a loving witness? This is one of the things that we learned in ministerial school that I want to share with you. So often you will run across people who are really having a tough time in their lives who are really struggling, and it might be at work, it might be in a relationship, it might be around money, it might be around children, but really struggling with their lives. And yet, what I know so very clearly from trying this myself is help is elusive for them. And in fact, often the people closest to me absolutely will not take any of my help. In fact, they might even view it as meddling. <laughs> have you, is this just me or, or have you tried to sometimes help people that are in such desperate times and, and it has to somehow come at their measure of being helped and not, not how I might see to help them. What we do in such a case is we stand as a loving witness. We don't add to the issue by, by saying, you're right, marriages are terrible. We don't add to the lies of the planet by agreeing with them, but we also don't refute them, right? That is their experience of what's going on in their life right now. So the middle ground, the perfect ground, is to stand as a loving witness. And it does a couple of things. First of all, they can feel it. They'll be able to feel the love and compassion coming from you. You may not be able to help them, that's true. But is there any greater help than really feeling loved? So first of all, you are providing something beautiful for them, that loving spirit. And the other piece of it is, you're telling yourself also, this does not have to be my experience of the world. I'm not buying into it. I'll be a loving witness, but what I know is my life can be abundant. I'll be a loving witness here, but what I know is that my marriage can be loving and strong. You know, I'm here for you. I recognize the pain that you're going through, but my experience, I choose to make it differently. 
So let's, uh, let's talk just a little bit more about when pain happens. So when you're going through pain, whether it's physical or emotional, first of all, it's there for a reason. Without pain, we touch the stove and we really would burn ourselves, right? One of the, the things that children learn right off in, in anyone's kitchen, right? No, sweetie, no, right? It's like that is hot. And so pain is actually there as a good thing, even, even our, our physical pain. The, the trouble is we begin internalizing it sometimes. We begin seeing first physical pain as something that's going to endure. We begin seeing emotional pain as something that we're stuck with. We begin actually thinking of ourselves through the lenses of emotional and physical pain to where it becomes part of our reality. So rather than doing it, here's my, my suggestions for dealing with pain. First of all, we honor the pain. The pain is a warning. When it first occurs, this is a good thing. It tells you you need to go to the doctor. It tells you you need to go to one of our practitioners to, to have some prayer work done. It tells you that something is up and you should pay attention to it. It also, though, tells you that we don't need to take the pain personally. Now, I, I know this is a hard one, right? Well, it's happening to me. How am I supposed to take it? I'm a person. <laughs> but we don't let it define who we are. And this is the, the key part of this wholeness principle. And that's the idea that pain is something that happens. It's not who you are. That on the spiritual side of life, you are whole and perfect. In fact, one of Ernest Holmes' prayers, the, the founder of Science of Mind, one of his famous prayers is perfect God, perfect human, perfect me. The idea of relying on that unity principle to really understand that even as God is whole and perfect, so on the spiritual side, we as individuals are. And we can lean on that. We can know that as an essential truth for ourselves, even when there are things going on in our lives that don't quite match up for that. If you think about it, it's a choice that we make. And so often we make it unconsciously. We'll say, because my experience of the world is such, then I am such. And so we're tempted to say, because my experience of the world right now is, is painful, whether it be an emotional pain, whether it be a physical pain, therefore, I can expect this. This is who I am. This is my condition. And so I totally get that. But I want you to put it in a different perspective. What if we could look at it the opposite way? Because I am part of God's whole and perfect creation, Pain is temporary because there is in me the divine quality of spirit that always has that ability to move on, the life principle that we've been talking about. Because that is who I am, I will move through this. This is not defining who I am. Yes, I may be feeling pain, but I am not pain. I do not need to look through the eyes of pain. I can move through this. I can be successful. I can do what I want. I can be what I want. I will pay attention to pain. It may be giving me a clue that something needs to be done here, but I will not allow it to control my life. 
So let me quickly review here what we've covered today. We started with the pain principle, and the idea is that pain may indeed be inevitable. We will all experience it on some level. In fact, we already have, right? Who here has not experienced emotional or physical pain in their lives? I mean, I mean could you even be like three, three years old? I mean, the very first time you cry and mom's in the bathroom and doesn't get to you as quickly as you'd like, right? You're in emotional pain. So, so we all experience it. It is inevitable, but it does not get to define us. If we stand up for ourselves, if we recognize that we are part of the divine, that God is good, then we know we will move through this. The other thing we talked about is the unity principle, that everything is indeed part of God, that we are an essential part of the divine, that we're God's very breath in a way. Oftentimes in science of mind, people will say, uh, so you're the folks that, that believe that you're God too. And, uh, and I kind of laugh, because uh, it's not that that's wrong, but I would probably change a word. I would probably say, yes, that we are part of God. And because of that, I think it makes all the difference. It's not a God out there that wound things up and then stepped away. It's a God that is imminent in our lives right now. It's a God that's emboldening us. It's a God that, that literally when we're doing what we do in the world, it's God's hands doing it with us. It's God's heart doing it with us. And so when we say that we're the, the very breath of God, that is our spiritual nature to bring about the changes that we can to the world in such a, such a beautiful and powerful way, literally as the breath of God. So you know I do like to assign a bit of homework, and, and this week won't be any different. And it's going to talk about pain a little bit. So the homework is, where in your life are you feeling stuck or in pain? Now, most likely this will be on the emotional or the mental plane. Where are you putting the brakes on because you're right up against a place where you're feeling fearful? Now, I'm not even going to ask you to go beyond that point. Actually, it may be appropriate that you don't do a thing or that you don't see a thing. I don't know your situation, so, uh, so I'm not trying to talk you into taking some action. What I am trying to find out is if you're one of the horses that's seen the white piece of paper on the ground. Do you need to be afraid? Is fear an appropriate reality for you? Is the pain that you're suffering real in terms of it needs to be there for a reason or is that stuckness is that pain is that suffering there because it's all in your head are you accepting the stress when you don't need to are you creating the anxiety based on false information so that's your homework just notice if there's any place in your life where you're feeling stuck where you're feeling emotional pain or, or something holding you back, and just evaluate it in the context of important reality for you. Are you allowing this pain to control your life? I ask you no more than to just do that evaluation. Okay, I'm going to close today with a, a lovely quote from Howard Thurman and a prayer. God is conceived as the creator of life and the very living substance of all. 
within the construct of this creation, God is at work pervading it with the quality of divinity. This means that at any point in human history, no event in the life of a single person can be separated from what are, in fact, the body of God itself. This makes all former concepts of the problem of evil, all metaphysical questions about pain and suffering, it makes it merely academic because it is within the body of God itself. But the person who suffers must say yes or no. In this utterance, feeling himself or herself sustained, supported, and confirmed, or undermined, deserted, and denied. If the answer to our suffering is to face it and to challenge it to do its worst, because we know that when it has exhausted itself, it has only touched the outermost walls of our spiritual lives. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life. This unity principle in all of its glory. God indeed has created the heavens and the earth. That includes me. That includes all of us. It includes all of life. Because of this, I know that any pain that I suffer is temporary. Because of this, I know that any anxiety I feel uh, can be moved through. It is my very nature to push that envelope and and question the truths, the so-called truths that come my way. And for me to evaluate them for my reality, I choose to be whole. I choose to live a life that is free and beautiful, a life filled with peace and abundance. I choose to experience that in my world, regardless of how other people feel, and I can stand as a loving witness for them, recognizing that this availability is for them too, that they too might experience love, that they too might experience peace. And even though that isn't the reality of what's going on, I can stand as a loving witness to it. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for everyone on this planet. Each of us, that ability to regardless of pain going on on the outside, on the inside, there is divine wholeness. On the inside, there is that spark of divinity within each one of us that says yes to the life principle, yes to the growth principle, yes to the wholeness principle. This is how we were made. And so for this, I give great thanks. I release this prayer into the divine, that divine that always says yes, that divine always here to nurture and support. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, 
You can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.